0: Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by my friend Jocelyn, Yay! who's a horror-loving academic librarian. Joining us again because yes! you were on the adaptations <laughs> episode, so welcome back.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is always a lot of fun. I really enjoy
0: it. Yeah, I'm very excited because uh, I've been wanting to do this episode for a mm. really long time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm really pumped that this was one of the ones you suggested because as soon as you mentioned this topic, so many titles just flooded my brain.
0: I was like, I can think of so many already that we need to talk about. It's It's a very like niche genre, but at the same time, it's not. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, no wait no this does do this does take place there (laughs) so it is fun. we'll have to like definitely get into that Mm -hmm. so what do you think is the appeal of workplace horror
1: well it's I mean it's pretty ubiquitous like most of us have to work and most of us have had jobs that really sucked (laughs) so yeah I think this is part of like when we were thinking about oh, there's all these titles. Maybe we didn't realize it at first. And then once you start thinking of workplace horror, so many things pop into your head because work is such a large presence in our lives. We spend like the majority of our hours at work, I think. And um, it affects every part of our life. And of course, that's going to leak into our fiction and our horror fiction. It's just, it's such a huge part of the way we the way we live. And I think a lot of people you know, have similar working experiences and both good and bad and it's kind of a common language. We can talk to each other about work and what sucks about work and what's good about work and um you know, once you kind of tip it over into this horror lens, it's really easy to do because I mean, I don't know anybody who would love to work more than anything else. I know people some people are kind of like workaholics, but That's not generally seen as a positive thing.
0: (laughs) I would say maybe not anymore. I think we've had a very recent reckoning with our American relationship to work and productivity. Mm -hmm. I think especially with this pandemic. But yeah, and I think especially, I mean... Chelsea and I are speaking as Americans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, There is so much of an identity with like what you do for work. When you meet someone, that's really one of the first Mm -hmm. things you
1: ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think we're getting better at that. There has been Mm -hmm. a discussion about, you know, maybe don't do that. People feel very wrapped up in Their Mm self-identity with what they do, what their profession is or their lack of profession or how they feel about their profession. And it is kind of rude to just ask like, oh, so what do you do? Because, you know, maybe they don't want to talk about that right now. Um, And I think that also that close connection with self-identity also creates this opportunity to make it
0: horrific. I think so, too. And I think this idea that you also have to put up in some cases with awful behavior Mm -hmm. or with... Being treated a certain way because you need this job for yeah. X reason, mm-hmm. you know, to pay your rent, for health insurance. There's so many things that are tied up to work where we just, unfortunately, put up with a lot of things. And like yeah. I said, there has been, I think, more of a cultural reckoning yes. uh, with it's been so interesting workplace conditions. Yeah. Yes,
1: <laughs> it's been refreshing, honestly. It's been really nice to see people, mm-hmm. um, in a way, kind of take their power back from that dynamic because it is really wrapped up in. In the United States in particular, our relationship to capitalism, you know, like, I'm mm-hmm. sure we could talk about this for a really long time. It'd probably be a different podcast. But, you know, this country was really built on capitalism, and it wouldn't exist in the same way that it does now without it. Um, I'm not saying I'm, okay, well, now I'm not saying I'm, like, very pro-capitalism. <laughs> I'm not, actually. I'll be very candid. I'm not. And I think our discussion about this workplace horror topic will will really flesh that out. But, um we need to be doing this activity to survive. And a lot of the ways that our country exists relies on all of us engaging in a work dynamic. Um, And it is a recipe for exploitation, as we could go back and look through our history and see uh, many instances of. And I think us personally, people listening to us right now, and both you and I could probably look back into our own personal work histories and identify some moments where we felt exploited but we don't always feel like we have the agency to step back from that. And I do, I have been enjoying seeing people actually do that during the pandemic, actually look at their situation and say, you know what, there is another option for me. Not everyone is able to do that. Um, but for the people who have been able to do that, it's can, it's been kind of empowering just watching it happen. It's been cool.
0: Yeah, I know everyone has those like quit quitting like with a flourish <laughs> yes, Fantasy is yes. like i've never done that but i've been no. living vicariously through all these <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Very. Text messages and tweets that i've mm. seen i'm like yes right on good for you i've never personally done that no. but
1: <laughs> nope it stays a fantasy for me <laughs>
0: it's like that episode of the office where they're talking about it and oscar's like i i would like to maybe someday but no <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. Oh man. I mean, I've quit jobs before, but never in such spectacular fashion. It's always been kind of pathetic, actually. I've been like, "So sorry, um, but like, I just, uh, I have to go. Like, here's like five weeks' notice." <laughs> like, <laughs> hasn't been terrible, like a terribly impressive stand. Um, but it is satisfying. It's so satisfying to see those stories pop
0: up right now. My last two were like. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna do this maternity leave a little mm. longer. Mm-hmm. In that, uh, I'm not not coming back <laughs> Exa- think, yes, but... exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is this has turned into something more now.
1: <laughs> and I mean, I feel very lucky that I'm basically working my dream job right now. I love my job. I love my coworkers. They're friends to me. We work really well together. My boss is incredible. She has our back in such great ways like I just appreciate my job so much now and yet I still have days where I'm like I can't believe that I have to leave my home go to another place for eight hours and do things that I am not really allowed to decide if I can do them or not do them I have to do them I can decide in what manner to a certain extent but like my time is not my own my decisions aren't fully my own if I wake up And I'd want to um, go for a day hike or if I want to learn how to cook a new difficult recipe, I can't do that because I am obligated to go to this other place. And sometimes when I really think about that, I'm like, I can't believe I have to do this for probably many decades to come. Like, you just don't have control over yourself. That's another part of it that feels kind of horrific, especially for those of us who, like, feel... Like we want more control or we have a we have a certain relationship with control. (laughs) Um, It it sometimes can be like, wow, I can't believe this is what we do. You know, our time is not our own.
0: It is. I mean, I very recently got like a work from home job Mm. where I'm like, wow, I can like. Do stuff and like mm-hmm. still like get stuff done at my house. Yeah, it's while nice being at work. If you're my boss, I do get my work. Done. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing. My boss listens to us, no. but <laughs> not yet. Anymore. But even yeah, like when I I had to go into the office downtown for training, and it was like. 40-minute commute. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Dealing with parking, paying for parking out of pocket. It's pretty bad. bad. Downtown Pittsburgh parking Not fun. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Working from home has been nice. I get to do that a little bit now as well. Another blessing of the pandemic. We didn't have many blessings. But yeah, the work from home option has been lovely. I have a hybrid situation. And it offers more flexibility. And that's really nice. Mm -hmm. That does improve um, quality of life, I think, for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I think especially people with kids i mean mm-hmm. or honestly just wanting mm-hmm. to get stuff done yeah like it's just nice to be able to like change a load of laundry exactly and like, between tasks mm-hmm. or like just walk around my house yes <laughs>
1: yes yeah it makes a difference it's not it almost sounds silly but that stuff makes a huge difference
0: have you had any like weird or creepy stories that work oh
1: my god yeah <laughs> well I have been a librarian now for about seven years, but my mom is also a librarian, so I spent a lot of time in libraries. Libraries are creepy. I have had multiple weird instances in a library. I um, here I also live here in Pittsburgh. Um, I used to work at the main branch of the big public library system here, and that building has a lot of ghost stories attached to it. There's um, talk about someone who hung himself in the stacks at one point and the the building's pretty old so it's got a lot of history and so it always had kind of an atmosphere but the weird the weirdest instances I've had are in small public libraries in tiny communities like those for some reason they just are always so strange the buildings are always kind of falling apart um so there have been instances where i've been in like a basement for instance when one, one particular story i was in a basement of a public library in in this area and i was going through some materials and a filing cabinet drawer just shut and I was like oh absolutely not <laughs> and I was like <laughs> sprinting up the stairs to the first floor falling on the stairs of course I'm not very graceful and I just like bust out of the door into what is the main room of the of the public library where all the computers are and there are patrons on the computers being quiet you know just looking at their email and I'm like huffing and puffing busting out of this door <laughs> everybody turns to look at me and the my coworker who was working behind the circulation desk was just like what well, got into you and I'm like I'm never going I'm, I'm never going down there again <laughs> and that's really not anything um I mean a door a drawer can close a door can close like it's not that wild but it felt so intense at the moment um I also have had creepy experiences one of my coworkers is an archivist and we have to go to sometimes she has to go to locations to pick up materials to add to the archives and I went with her on a trip once to this old house that um, the university I work for had acquired and they were going through all of the stuff that the family left, so much stuff. And this is like an old rich family. There's so many weird old rich people things and it's just jam packed full in there. And I had some of this, I that whole trip was really, really weird. It was so strange. I thought I heard my coworker in the room next to me. I was on like the third floor and I thought she had worked her way up there and I popped my head into the room and I was like, hey, ready to go? There's nobody in the room. So, you know, (sighs) stuff like that. It's one of those houses that just you kind of lose track of where you are and you get disoriented and um, there was a whole moment where she had shown me a door that she that was locked and she was really annoyed by this because she wanted to get in there was the last room that she had to get in to look at the materials and she was like look this door is locked i don't know where the key is she jiggled the handle it was locked like it would it would not open and then when we finally were getting ready to go it, she's like let me try this door one more time and she tried it and sure enough it opens and i again just tear out of there downstairs. <laughs> I again fall because I am not graceful. I'm like tumbling down the stairs. She gets all worked up. She comes after me. Her sweater like got caught on the wall. It was a very strange. It was a very strange experience. Um, we laugh about it a lot today. But yeah, I mean, being a librarian will put you into some very odd circumstances. I have to say. And if anybody else has weird library haunted stories, I would love to hear them because I find them very fun. So, what about you? Have you worked anywhere that like? you had an experience
0: just like creepy in general like my last job i worked overnight and did baking so it was after like the restaurant had closed Mm. everyone had gone home and it was either like working with one other person or working just by myself yeah um and i would have headphones in all the time Mm. because just the sound of like different machinery like whirring up in the middle of the night like creeped me out so there was one night uh before they were closing up, the manager was like, "Hey, someone called and asked for boxes for moving. So we have a big stack of boxes right out front. Like if someone comes and asks, just tell them that they're there." I was like, "Okay, fine." Um, so I was running around. I had like my headphones in, and I go into the back kitchen area, and there is just a woman, an old woman no. in a muumuu, just standing there. And I was, I had my headphones in, and I was like, "Oh, oh my god, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here?" And she was like, "Boxes." <laughs> And like those teenagers did not shut the back door. Didn't lock it. This lady just walked in here. And I was like, Oh, they're out they're out front, ma'am. Oh my god. That (laughs) not allowed to be here. No, yeah. Please (laughs) leave. (laughs) Wow, that's that's pretty terrifying i would be very scared but yeah after that i had to check the back door like every night mm-hmm. double checking that this is locked <laughs> and no one's just gonna walk in here in the middle of the night again oh, thank you oh yeah no absolutely not so that i mean that whole like setup in general just being like by yourself in like an empty yeah <laughs> empty place and mm-hmm. i'm like and i would listen to like horror podcasts like horror <laughs> drama podcasts where there's like the binaural, you hear like oh, yeah. footsteps behind oh, you, and I would be like, "You are not Why doing are yourself doing this to my favors."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that
0: is, you're, yeah, you're asking for it, man. <laughs> I know. I had to be like, "Well, I'm going to listen to a, like the Gilmore Guys or something. Oh, something uplifting. This. Yeah. That's not." <laughs>
1: My husband's my my um, father in law, my husband's dad, worked for a long time before he retired um, at a state institution um, for you know mentally ill folks, criminally criminally mentally ill i'm not entirely sure what the appropriate terminology is now but you know people people who needed to be supervised 24 7 kind of deal and he worked the overnight shift and he would routinely bring stephen king books to entertain himself while he's working the desk and he saw nothing wrong with this he didn't think this was weird at all (laughs) like i can't believe you do that he's like what they're good books
0: (laughs) like yeah but look where you are Yeah, I don't you gotta know. be in the right in the right space. That's mm-hmm. it's the same thing as like you know turning the lights off, lighting some mm-hmm. candles, just really mm-hmm. getting in the ambient. That's mood. right. He was just devoted to that lifestyle, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like I need the right vibes. Yes, these are the vibes. Yes,
1: so. uh, admire the committ- the commitment.
0: <laughs> oh man, there's a lot of movies that fall into yes. this too. A lot of really fun ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I think I love Mayhem on Shutter. Um, it is a ton of fun it's like steven yoon and what is her name
1: oh this is was this one of the ones quick plug i guess for your patreon was this one that we watched as yes. a patreon I was gonna ask. i'm like you were on that yeah you were on oh that is watch. a really
0: fun movie samara weaving why did i not remember her name? oh she's great she's uh, kind of
1: becoming like a, a scream queen
0: herself yeah yeah i, I like yeah. that i loved her in this uh so basically this takes place in uh is it like a law office or something? But Steven Yoon gets fired at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's because of something a higher up did. and yeah. She's like pinning it on him. Um, and then Samara Weaving's character got turned down for a loan. So I guess it wasn't a yeah, law some office, that I'm that out loud. <laughs> Yeah, some kind of financial institution. Yeah. Um, but then the building gets quarantined. They get shut down because they got infected with a rage virus. Ugh, yeah. And we're told at the beginning of the movie that the legal precedent is, like, whatever you do while under the rage virus, you can't be prosecuted for. (laughs) So it becomes this, like, total bloodbath, and Steven Yoon is, like, ready to get revenge. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, take advantage. On the people that, yeah, it is (laughs) such a fun movie.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun, especially if you like kind of um, horror action comedy you know, it's, it's weird to say it's a little uplifting, but it is because it kind of plays into those workplace fantasies or just like late stage capitalism fantasies of, you know, you we get we get taken advantage of or we get the short end of the stick or it's just very difficult to navigate um, things in our current life situation when things go wrong. And so it's kind of nice to see them take control over that and get revenge. It feels very cathartic.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's over big things, obviously, mm-hmm. like having a big mistake pinned on you. Ugh. But even like, why did you use my mug yeah. in the break <laughs> yes. room? That is my mug. <laughs> we're
1: all just bubbling over and at any given point. We're going to snap.
0: <laughs> also, have you watched Last Shift?
1: I don't think I have, actually.
0: Oh, that's a creepy one. It's a, uh, a police officer. It's like her first night mm. and she just has to guard this... Uh, old police station that's about to be demolished, but she just like is the night security person just like making sure no one comes in and stuff happens. I'm gonna put that on my list. That sounds really fun. (laughs) Very creepy. Perfect. Alien. Mm.
1: Yes. And I one of my book suggestions aligns quite nicely with aliens. So if folks are alien fans I got something for you
0: session nine about the asbestos uh removal crew <laughs> what a horrible job the, <laughs> the uh abandoned uh what, what is it a mental institution like what would what is the institution of some kind for that Oh, I'm sure. What's the terminology for that? It has changed. That's yeah. why I was struggling
1: thinking of yeah. my father-in-law's old workplace because they 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 change it. They try to make things sound better than they are or worse than they are. I don't know, but yes, I I know what you're talking about. Essentially, you guys know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a old abandoned building. Um, And it's this crew that's there cleaning up some asbestos and...
1: Already very cheery. It's a good, like, psychological horror movie. Oh, that's nice. I haven't seen it, so I'll have to add that to my list, too. The Autopsy of Jane Doe, like, the two father-son morticians. That's a really interesting setup. I mean, mortician as a profession is just you know, asking for some horror to be injected into it. Um, although I do actually have spoken to folks who are morticians or, you know, who own um, funeral homes and they're like, oh, please, it's nothing like that. You know, it's not, it's not scary. It's not as spooky as you expect, but it does allow for the the mind to wander. So it's always a fun thing to see it used, especially in, in the autopsy of Jane Doe. That is a, it's a really creative movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I know it probably becomes so mundane. Yeah, yeah. But I just the idea of just like a dead body. I would just be like waiting for it to twitch. <laughs> I, I would just be waiting for it. Like I would look away and like look. Back. I know. Like I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna catch you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see it. Don't
1: move. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know how I would how I would handle it. It's not obviously it's not for me. I'm not. I don't. I don't do. I'm not yeah. in that line of work.
0: So (laughs) no, I find it fascinating, but I cried so much during Six Feet Under. I'm like, Mm, emotionally, I don't think I could handle this. I think I would just be. I would feel too much, and you have to just be able to separate that. Yeah, it has to just be When a you're in that line you. of work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that show's incredible. Plug for Six Feet Under. Yeah, no, you no. know. It
1: on HBO. <laughs> how old is, like, 15-year-old show? I have no idea how old it is. Yeah, it's a it good show. It is very old. Like, it
0: was old when I watched it. Yeah. Like, I was like, I never got around to this, so. Yeah, but it's, it's wonderful. It. If you guys haven't seen Satanic Panic, uh, the movie that was written by Grady Hendrix, very much recommend yeah uh, that is about a pizza delivery girl who gets sent to this house and she ends up uh coming on a I guess would it be like a coven i suppose some kind yeah. yeah
1: kind of a um i don't know a, a, a cult sort of yeah of sorts yeah they're doing some ritualistic
0: stuff And she kind of stumbles into it. And I think they're like, the person they were going to sacrifice gets away or something. (laughs) And then she's just there. And they're like, good enough. Yep. Good thing we
1: ordered that pizza. (laughs) I think about pizza delivery folks often, actually. And I'm like, you know, this seemed really normal when I was a kid. And now as an adult, I can't imagine doing it. I don't know. It just, you go to all kinds. of. First of all, I feel like I get lost constantly and you just go to all these random places and i'm sure it's mostly fine but there have got to be some stories from people who've delivered pizzas or other kinds of food i've never done it myself but they have got to have some wild stories
0: statistically it's one of the most dangerous drops really it's a very high mortality rate
1: oh oh horrible to hear oh my well i guess that's why teenagers don't really do it too much anymore i don't think so <laughs> i feel like it used to be like a teen job and it's yeah. not it's definitely not anymore yeah well don't do that folks maybe
0: <laughs> um i don't know i also have a terrible sense of direction like oh, before yeah. gps i think when Ooh. i was a kid the idea of just like looking at a map oh, and knowing how to get somewhere astounded it still blows my mind mm-hmm. honestly like I have a GPS, and if it buffers for some reason while no, I'm driving, no, no. I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> I have taken the wrong turn on the turnpike yeah. and like gone to Ohio, mm-hmm. and been, like, well, I'm in Beaver now. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: am I doing?
0: <laughs> Gotta find a way to
1: get back. Oh on the man, yeah. Going? I mean, this area does us no favors. It's pretty complicated over in in Western PA, to be honest. Um, I drove across the country with mostly a map. I did have a GPS, but it was a super old kind of like unreliable thing and uh, that actually wasn't as hard as you'd expect because the highway system is pretty connected so we were on that for most of the time but i was going to la for internships and i did get lost on the warner lots the warner brothers lot i that was like where i was i was living in that area and i somehow got onto the lot in the middle of the night and i couldn't i couldn't figure out how to get out (laughs) so i was like trapped um it was not that as it might sound like that was kind of cool or exciting it wasn't i was exhausted and panicked um i did finally find where i needed to go but (laughs) the gps wasn't helping me
0: (laughs) um yeah i'm sure not in like a small space like that it's not like turn left and 10 feet right
1: exactly to a dead end great thanks yeah yeah no it, it was it was really complicated and weird um, but yeah, there are tons of um fun, like workplace-based horror movies like Bad Did you see Bad Hair? I think it's on Hulu.
0: I haven't, oh, no. Yeah. I know what you're talking it's about. It's very but I fun. Seen
1: it. It's very fun. And um that one, you know, is about this woman who she works at I believe it's a TV station, kinda like an MTV sort of vibe. I think it's supposed to take place in the nineties. And um, they are either acquired or they get a new executive producer who wants to make a bunch of changes. And part of the changes are that they want... So it's a it's a Black TV program. It's like Black music, Black culture, that kind of thing. And um, one of the changes is that the executive producer kind of wants it to be less Black, even though she herself is Black. And part of that is changing of the hair for the folks who are like the VJs. For those of you who <laughs> remember the VJs, from MTV, yeah. um, she she wants everybody to basically straighten their hair and have more, you know, like, quote, good hair. And um, it, it is very interesting because the main character acquires this serum that is like a miracle worker for this for her hair but then her hair kind of takes on a life of its own um it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and I highly recommend it I had a really good time watching that I think it's still on Hulu that's where I watched it a while ago um but I'm not 100% sure of that um, and then also like the thing would be workplace horror too, right? Like they're up there doing a yeah. job and um, kind of stuck in place, and you you know they didn't necessarily get to pick who they were they were up there with. They're all coworkers, and they get thrown into this wild situation. I mean that's the other thing I think that is fun about workplace horror. Like not only is it a cathartic feeling, but also your your characters are thrown in together in these circumstances, and they did not get to pick each other for this. They are more or less strangers in some instances, and they might not have anything in common. And the situations that get put in together are so extreme that it just really brings out a lot of interesting stuff in that dynamic.
0: Yes, that's true. Like, it's not like a group of friends that You know, have known each other since childhood most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, some recent ones that I saw that I didn't think about until this moment. Final Destination 5, they're all. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because they're like a part of a crew. Yeah, and they're they were like all heading somewhere on a bus. I think was the, like a retreat or something. Mm. I don't remember. I just watched it last week. I do not remember. I need to, yeah, Uh, I need to get into it. I haven't, I haven't actually seen it. It looks fun, so, though. I think they're all on Netflix right now. Oh, good. Netflix Ooh. has some good horror right now. Awesome. I'll I, just do I was looking thing. through the other day. I'm like, OK, you're very hit or miss. <laughs> this month, you seem to be a hit. Hot tip. Uh, <laughs> Little Monsters on Hulu. Ooh, OK. Uh, she's, a, she's a I think, a kindergarten. Lupita Nyong'o is like a kindergarten teacher taking her kids on a, a field trip and like a zombies. And she kind of is like, this is all part of a game. Like, it's
1: like, <laughs> oh, that's <like>, sounds <laughs> fun. <laughs>
0: it was it was very fun so recommend that that's also on hulu Uh, so a lot of recs
1: yeah oh there's so much out there definitely yeah
0: this episode is brought to you by libro fm libro fm is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore you can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, Check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer. You get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro.fm, for supporting the show. All right, well, should we talk about some books? Yeah, let's get into it. So my first pick is The Night Stalkers by Christopher Triana and Ryan Harding. I will say up front, this is like a splatterpunk extreme like horror <laughs> novel, so I think you just need to know that going in. But this is about a group of workers who are forced to work a night shift at the grocery store. Um, but they are ambushed by the workers of their rival store, Devil's Food, who they don't know is just run by Satanists. Uh, This is just a book for anyone who has worked in retail of any kind, whether it be like, you know, grocery store, just that whole setup. And you know the frustrations of dealing with management that's either ineffectual or cruel or, you know, has little regard for like your time and, you know, things that you have planned and, you know, just schedule you and, different ways like mm-hmm. you know they schedule you for a time that's outside of your availability uh, yeah. uh, and just the horrors of dealing with entitled customers mm-hmm. the book opens up with essentially a karen uh at the deli counter of the devil's food store and uh yeah it opens up with a bang
1: i love that it's called devil's food <laughs> <laughs> i love that so much that's incredible
0: yeah, that is the tone of the of the book. It's very like funny, but like splatterpunk, super gory. Oh, this um, is great.
1: I haven't read it. I'm adding it immediately.
0: Uh so you're you know, you find yourself rooting for this scrappy group of survivors that's like, you know, an older lady that got put in here, like the <laughs> deli guy, like, you know, obviously some teenagers mm-hmm. that are there. Uh, like all put together. Um, and oh, I will say, like, there's certain things that are introduced and you're like they're not gonna go there surely they wouldn't they wouldn't do that they do Oof! I assure you they do and I was like Oof, okay oh I love it um so I will say not for everyone it, it is like very reminiscent of like those b-horror movies mm. so I'm just saying a lot of boobs a lot of blood oh if you get my meaning so
1: yeah send me up into it for sure
0: (laughs) so I will say freezer you know I would not pick this for a book club at your library like it's extremely gory Uh, but it goes with the genre and yeah like I found it surprising and I thought it was it was fun and you you really do get connected to these characters and you know the different reasons why they're working there and how like you know all these people are being taken advantage of by like upper management that like doesn't care and only cares about numbers um and yeah the the satanist stuff with the devil's beard is so over the top and (laughs) ridiculous in a funny way
1: i really everything sounds so good about this this sounds very much like my vibe i'm very excited (laughs) to pick this up
0: so that is the night stalkers by christopher triana and ryan harding
1: and i feel like that's my favorite one already of this entire (laughs) this entire episode all right well we have more though um yeah. <laughs> my first pick is uh screams from the void by ann tibbets which came out in 2021 from flame tree and this is it's a space sci-fi horror and then some it's got a lot of stuff going on um it's really fast-paced gory full of tension we follow reyna a mechanics ensign on a research mission from the united space corps as it is called at this point, and she's a brilliant mechanic, but she's stuck dealing with both an abusive work environment and the horrors of intimate partner abuse, all while being trapped on this spacecraft. There are major trigger warnings for intimate partner abuse for this book, just FYI. Um, So this is what Reyna's dealing with, and then two months before they get to go home to Earth, of course, something starts brutally massacring the crew. They can't really figure out where this thing came from or how it got on the ship, but it is really vicious and seemingly unkillable. Reina finds herself as one of a few survivors trying to escape whatever this thing is that's hunting them while being completely trapped on this ship. They can't figure out a way off. And the small group who are her coworkers um, that she's stuck with has both the people who have hurt her the most and the people who have lifted her up the most included in it. So it's a really interesting and potentially dangerous dynamic for her. And for most of the book, you actually don't know who poses the biggest threat? Is it the violent stowaway or her violent co-workers? Um, yeah, she's battling both. And Raina has to find confidence in herself and her skills in order to try to survive all of that, plus space. You know, like, they're in space. <laughs> space is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. um, but she is, like I said, a brilliant mechanic. And that kind of, you know, comes through in a lot of instances. Like I said, it's really fast-paced and action-packed. And it's pretty brutal. It has a non-linear narrative structure, which I think works really well here. Um, You get to learn a lot about Reyna this way, jumping back and forth from the past when she started this job to the present, um, kind of seeing how the different relationships between her and her co-workers develops. And you get to see her grow, which is really satisfying. And I I really like the character of Reyna a lot. Um, So, like I said, it's a space sci-fi horror, but it's also a creature feature. It's a thriller, and it's a survival horror. So, it's a lot of stuff all wrapped up into one. And um, I would recommend this for, like I said before, uh, fans of Alien and also Cube, if folks like cube. Yeah. It has some cube vibes (laughs) and also maybe even the expanse. Um, I, yeah, I'm, and I'm speaking of the show. I haven't read the books yet. Uh, but if you like the show, the expanse, there's a lot of similarities, I think, um, present here in this book. I would put this in Mm. the freezer. I think, um, it, it's really gory. It's pretty brutal and violent. Um, and yeah, it's disturbing. So yeah, I would, I would probably put it in
0: the freezer. Um, and that is Screams from the Void by Ann Tibbetts. So when you first read this and talked about it online, I had added it to my to mm, read list because mm-hmm. it sounded amazing, but now I think it's going right into my cart. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's getting pushed up <laughs> to a book I need to own Oh Wait yeah, last minute.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. I really enjoyed it.
0: So my next pick is Severance by Ling Ma. I will say this is not a horror book. Per se, before people come for me. Okay, well, you know. <laughs> it is not. It is dealing with horror elements. We are dealing with kind of a post apocalyptic slash zombie adjacent setting. But this is about Candace, who is a millennial in New York City working for a Bible manufacturing department of a company. Um, And then Shen fever hits, and she decides to just self-sequester at work um, as the fever takes hold of the city. And she's one of the last few survivors. Throughout the day, she kind of goes out and takes pictures of, like, abandoned New York City and posts it on her blog uh, called NY Ghost. And which is crazy, because this book came out way before. Mm Mm-hmm. The pandemic, so the idea. I think we would not be able to wrap our minds around the idea of like quiet New York City yeah. or abandoned New York City. But um, my sister in law is a travel nurse, and she was sent up to New York City during COVID. Uh, you know, to help at a hospital, and she would send me pictures of just like Times Square. Empty. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's wild. It was so
1: eerie. So. My sister lives in Brooklyn. And yeah, mm-hmm. she she was like, it is it is
0: a ghost town. It is so strange right now. A few months later, Candace finds herself as part of a group of survivors. We're kind of going back and forth in time mm. with the chapters. Um, so in the present timeline, she's part of this group, and they're led by a man named Bob, who is an IT guy. But he's leading them to the facility where he says they will have everything they need, but Candace is kind of growing weary of Bob and his control over the group, and it's just like a weird, awkward situation. I thought this had a lot of interesting stuff to say about millennials and their relationship to work, Mm -hmm. and I think specifically hustle culture. Yes, definitely. And our relationship to hobbies and rituals. So like Shen fever in this book, when it hits, the zombie state that people take is that they're stuck in a short loop of whatever they were doing when they got infected so you go to a house and it's just someone like putting dishes away like and just stuck doing that until their like fingers bleed and they just like yeah stop breathing and die like <laughs> just you're just kind of in this short loop uh which was a very interesting yeah take on this which i thought was fun um And it's about, you know, I think our relationship to rituals and nostalgia and more. And I mean, there was so many layers to this Mm -hmm, book. Like, mm -hmm. she's a first-generation Chinese immigrant, but, you know, she came over as a kid and she grew up here. So, like, her relationship to, like, American culture versus, like, her parents' relationship to American culture. And I think... And you know, like how titles have several different meanings Mm -hmm. according to the plot. It's like a severance to your culture and what that means and severance to like all kinds of stuff. And of course, severance in the like workplace, like receiving a severance. (laughs) It's just like, it was a very good book. So as I mentioned before, not horror, room temperature. But I thought a very interesting take on zombie apocalyptic stories. And I think very much worth reading. Uh, There was so many things that were... Very fascinating to read post, you know, us dealing with the pandemic. because uh, this book I think came out in like 2018, mm-hmm. 2017, yeah, but about like quarantining and masks and like what, what, how people react to something sweeping the nation. Um, and like work, her workplace being like, oh, it's not a big deal, yes, <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> They're not using the word pandemic, oh. like, we're. <laughs> Look the other way. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're still going to need you to get that work right? done. Thank you. No Bye. one will
1: be here to receive it, but you still need to do it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I read this book during lockdown. I Oh, yeah, wow. How was that? It was really weird. It was very eerie. So many parallels. Um, I was one of those people who picked up a lot of pandemic literature. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I totally. I picked up. That's when I started reading The Stand, uh, which you know, full transparency here. I still haven't finished. I'm exactly two years into reading the stand. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. But um reading Severance was it was because it's not it's not necessarily horror and there like you said there's just so many layers and um so much commentary about millennial culture and our relationship to work and hobbies and rituals, like you said. I thought that was that was a really interesting um take that it made me think a lot differently about what was going on. It was actually pretty comforting to read it during lockdown. Um, and I, I enjoyed that experience. And its it turns out that was like a pretty unique thing to read this book while I was engaging, while we were all engaging in something very similar to what was happening in it. Uh, and yeah, I really like Severance a lot too. I think it's really beautiful. Also, yeah, never follow a man named Bob to something called the facility. Like just maybe don't do that, you know?
0: I don't know. I think maybe in like a post-pandemic world, you just don't have a lot of. Uh, oh, that's true. Choices.
1: I think <laughs> you gotta just find yeah. a scrappy
0: group of survivors that really fits your vibe. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And honestly, most places people are going are probably going to be called the facility. So maybe you don't have a lot of choice in that either. All right, my next pick is also for all the retail workers out there. It's Chopping Spree by Angela Sylvain, which came out in 2021 from Unnerving, and it's part of the Rewinder Die novella series. So, if folks aren't familiar with Rewinder Die, it's this really fun series that's kind of in tribute to campy 80s horror, and everything's over the top, and everything's just a really good time. And Chopping Spree is definitely. that category. It's really fast-paced and it's full of bloody campy horror fun. Um, We follow Penny as her cool new job at the local mall turns into a deadly situation. Um, What starts off as a fun night working late with her co-workers quickly turns into a suspenseful cat and mouse hunt when Penny and her friends discover another mall employee dead and a madman running around with a wolf mask. Penny, who is normal, uh, is totally prepared to help lead all of her friends to safety, but she quickly learns that maybe they don't want to run away. Maybe they have their own plans in this situation. Um, Chopping Spree has a very fun twist, and it, it gives the plot a lot of depth. Sylvain writes really well in this short form, I think, and she gives her characters a lot of detail in just only a few pages, and I think that's, that's a true skill to be able to do that. And this novella is absolutely perfect for picking up on a cozy Friday night. It's truly the literary equivalent of like a campy 80s slasher. And actually, the name reminds me of one of my all-time favorites, uh, Chopping Mall, if anyone yeah. has seen this, It's an absolute classic.
0: Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love that one. If, if folks haven't seen that, it's we really We could have fun. mentioned that, too. That's I guess, true. yeah,
0: those are mall employees. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a bunch of mall employees and their friends get stuck in a mall. You, well, they don't, they stay in a mall late and things go wrong. I'm not giving it away. You guys got to go watch it. It's really fun. Um, and, you know, if you have ever worked in a mall before, which I spent many years in the trenches of malls, uh, you will really enjoy the nostalgia and, and just kind of like, I don't know, again being redeemed you know we all kind of felt like we were we were sacrifices on the altar of capitalism in a way when you work in a mall so this kind of is a very cathartic experience reading chopping spree um i would say it's probably good for fans of like fear street uh 1994 and any kind of like campy 80s slasher um and this one really does tie back like to that idea of workplace horror as a critique of capitalism. And I really like it here in this in this book. Um, it does have some gore and violence and suspense, uh, but it's not, it's not super intense. I would say it's maybe fridge, maybe, maybe just put in the fridge kind of deal. It's cooling down. It's a room temperature on a winter's day sort of deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Chopping Spree by Angela Sylvain.
0: Oh, I love that. I'm still making, there's so many reminder dice. I'm still kind of making my way through them, but Mm -hmm. that is getting pushed up the list. That sounds so fun. Yeah. I love the cover.
1: Yes. It's a really
0: fun cover. (laughs) But I think, yeah, you're spot on with like the Fear Street
1: 1994.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. My last pick is a play. It is Pontypool by Tony Burgess. Uh, which is why i didn't mention the movie up top Mm. because i was going to be talking about it here (laughs) it is essentially like the screenplay for the movie this is available on hoopla too if anyone wants to read it i think as well as the novel the pontypool changes everything so this is about a shock jock radio host in the town of pontypool who's having just a normal day with his two other hosts when an outside correspondent starts relaying strange occurrences happening um there is a bit of an epidemic. And the radio medium seems to be making things worse, is all I'm going to say. And (laughs) I thought this worked very well as a play, and I mean as a movie, because it is like a one room. Like, these people don't know what is going on outside. They only have, you know, this information being fed to them, and things keep getting increasingly more and more tense. So another fascinating concept in addition to the zombie genre, and I think saying a lot of important things with influential talk radio and podcasts mm, mm. coming out. And i you know, the mm-hmm. responsibility that comes with having influence. Yes. And a large audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say someone on Goodreads said this is great for fans of Welcome to Night Vale. And I, I would agree. Oh, with yeah, that too, I could see that for something. Yeah, definitely similar to that. So I would recommend this. This was a lot of fun and just like fascinating the way that it turned and when it's kind of revealed like what is going on it's really really interesting so that is Pontypool by Tony Burgess I guess I would say this is room temperature but Mm. it is tense and well written and a quick read I mean it's a play (laughs) it's like 100 pages and it's all dialogue so uh yeah that is Pontypool by Tony Burgess
1: I have not seen the movie or read the place so I will have to get into both of those because that sounds really interesting
0: yeah also someone said I didn't notice it but um I think it takes place on Valentine's Day so it is like a February movie perfect
1: yeah there we go (laughs) that's that's perfect that's what I'll do that's what I'll force my husband to do on Valentine's Day oh he'll be so excited (laughs) I bet he'll like it I'm I'm being ungenerous but (laughs) um cool all right well I actually have I have two more
0: go for it. Awesome.
1: All right. So yeah. my next one, this one is like extremely difficult to talk about. Um, It's The Tenth Girl by Sarah Faring. Came out in 2019 from Imprint. This book has one of the largest twists I have ever read. Actually, the largest twist. I never would have seen this twist coming. And if anybody claims that they did see this twist coming, I don't, I, not for one second do I believe you. Um. <laughs> so it's going to be a little difficult for me to talk about but it's um, it's gothic and atmospheric, and it is set in Patagonia, and apparently it incorporates Patagonian myth, but I can't speak to whether it's, that's done, if that's executed well or not. I'm not familiar with Patagonian myth, um, but we follow Mavi, who is running away from something. She's seems to be fleeing from political violence in Buenos Aires and she lies about pretty much everything about herself so she can get a job as a teacher at an isolated finishing school for well-off girls in Patagonia. This school is allegedly extraordinarily haunted as of course all boarding school- schools for well-off girls are they must be haunted um, and things start to get weird for Mavi almost immediately and there are clearly secrets everywhere. When one of Mavi's students goes missing, Mavi decides to start investigating, and she uncovers what she initially thinks is proof of a terrifying haunting, but then she keeps investigating and things keep escalating in weirdness, and then it just, and then I have to stop talking about it (laughs) because I can't say anything else, um... So here's the thing. If you go to the Goodreads page for The Tenth Girl, you'll see it doesn't have a great rating. And I suspect that that might be because of the twist. It it really is kind of out of left field. And, um, you know, if I, I would say don't let that discourage you from reading it. The twist did make me mad, I, I will say, but I had such a great time just engaging with it just reading it and experiencing it it really blew my mind i was like this is unbelievable that sarah faring would decide to go in this direction that it that this story even does this um so if this interests you if you like historical mysteries or horror set in boarding schools and you are down for an absolutely ridiculous twist um definitely give the 10th girl a try there are some genuinely creepy moments in this book like very spooky vibes and it's gothic and there there is kind of like a haunting storyline um, but i would say this is more room temperature perhaps we put it in the room temperature during a during the winter stack you know it's it's cooler but not not fridge worthy um, and that is the 10th girl by sarah faring And then my last selection for today is actually a short story. It's Friday Black by Nana Kwame Brenya. and it's the title story of his 2018 collection, which was published by Mariner Books. And this is a really interesting take on zombies, and I would even say kind of like pandemic horror a little bit, and capitalism horror. We follow a young man who is the top sales lead at an unnamed retail store in a mall on Black Friday. It's very clear early on that there is something different about this Black Friday or this like world's Black Friday. It's not necessarily our world or the way that we oh. engage in Black Friday. Um, sales associates are just casually preparing for what seems like war. And there's even like a designated section in the store f- to pile bodies. They're like, that's the oh body God. spot. <laughs> or, like They've got brooms where they're like sweeping bodies over. Um, and once they open, for Black Friday, it becomes obvious why. Shoppers are infected with something that's referred to as the Friday Black, which makes them ultra-violent and single-mindedly focused on acquiring the hot Item of the year and they're very animalistic at this point Uh, most of them have lost the ability to speak but our protagonist was bit by one of these materialistic zombies like in the past and so now he has the ability to understand their needs on a really deep level for example like he knows that they need a specific jacket but he also knows why they think they need it they need it so that their husband will love them, or so that the mean girls will stop bullying them, or so they can get that promotion. So it's it's very much that he's hearing them thinking these things as they're just kind of like groaning and drooling and gnashing their teeth and like trying to get at him and all of the, the merchandise. So our protagonist's goal in this short story is to have the highest sales at his store which he's not concerned about that because he's the best and he will hit that but if he gets the highest he can take home a really expensive coat for his mom something they wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise and he feels like this will prove to her that he loves her and that he's a good son but as the day continues he starts to realize that that is kind of the game that they're forced to play in order to keep themselves distracted from essentially being worked to death and being put in this like really dangerous situation on Black Friday, quote unquote. And I I love this entire short story collection. I think that it's genius and brutal and amazing. But this story in particular really hit me as someone who did spend a lot of time working in retail. Retail employees are treated horribly. You know, I think a lot of us have spent time doing some form of retail, and we also really get hit with that whole, like, we're a family, you got to be a good team member, like, you got to support each other, like, those lines, and that just kind of helps, helps us be exploited more, and you definitely see that in this story, and, and as retail employees, we also see firsthand the ugly sides of materialism and capitalism, and all of this kind of, all of these things wrapped together are, are in Friday Black, the story. The story focuses a lot on the idea that the things we own and buy for others and ourselves directly translates to love and self-worth, which is a very toxic idea. But unfortunately, I think it's pretty prevalent in our culture, in the American culture. Um, The characters in this story literally become infected by this, which I don't think is a stretch for how we feel about items and things and buying and, you know, especially in, in the U.S., um, but it's it's really creative and I would love for more people to read Ajay Brenya's entire collection. It has a lot of horror in it and it has sci-fi, it has fantasy, it has speculative fiction and it's incredibly dark and creative and interesting. And I think if you like Karen Russell, like kind of her her style, okay. yeah, and, and also if you like horror, you'll definitely like Friday Black, the collection as a whole. Um, this story... I would say is more room temperature it does have a lot of disturbing moments but they're quieter they make you think they are disturbing but they're not as in your face um, but the other stories in this collection there are some that are absolutely freezer worthy they're very terrifying and gross and gory and intense so definitely pick it up if you're into that sort of thing which i would expect most people listening to this would be yeah <laughs> so that's friday black by uh nanakwame Brenya.
0: Ooh, I am adding that to the TBR.
1: That's a really cool cover, too. The cover is, like, gorgeous.
0: Well, other ones I wanted to mention real quick. I won't even be getting into it, but With retail, <laughs> also had to mention Horror Story by Grady Hendrix. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. Like a haunted Ikea, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and The Family Plot by Sherry Priest. That is about a salvage crew um, that is sent to, you know, empty out a a house um and of course like that house there's some some stuff going on there some supernatural <laughs> stuff they find like a, a cemetery in the backyard and they're like what did we sign Ooh. up for Ooh. Ooh. i've heard such good things about that book I, i'm gonna have to pick that up it is a fun one um i i really enjoyed it we got for books then
1: yeah i mean i feel I like know. they're just there are so many you guys have already talked about the other black girl on this podcast before and I think that kind of, um, mm-hmm. that fits obviously. It takes place in like a workplace but also I almost picked for a deeper dive uh, Secret Santa that I think was like really kind of going around, especially like Bookstagram yeah. people a few years ago were like really into it. It's a lot of fun. It's Christmas themed workplace horror where <laughs> the main <laughs> character works at a publishing industry or a publishing house where um, there's just like uh, some occult dealings and it's a oh, lot yeah. of fun i it's a good read for christmas time
0: great well i was telling you earlier like there was some books i picked up that dealt with corporate horror but really got into like this bureaucracy and all Ugh, this red yeah. tape and all this stuff and i was so bored and i'm like <laughs> i understand that this is what you're going for but i can't do this no. respectfully i'm tapping out
1: <laughs> yeah if i wanted to do that i'd just uh go to work <laughs> Thanks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like if I wanted to just be bogged down with emails, I would. Really <laughs>
1: <can. Thank> <laughs> yes, allow me to add my work email to my personal cell phone real quick, and then I'll, I'll enjoy that experience on the daily. Absolutely. No,
0: thank you. <laughs> and well, as is tradition mm. on this podcast, what is a chilling obsession what's something you've been enjoying in horror oh lately? yes
1: well it's both an old and new chilling obsession i was preparing my body and soul for the new scream movie and so i had of course to i had to consume all of the scream content And I love Scream. It's my favorite. And I watch all of them on the regular. So it's not like I was um, really refreshing myself out of nowhere for the new movie. But I did get into the Scream TV series. Yes. Yes. So I had watched the first season back closer to when it actually aired. But then I just kind of dropped off. And I was like, Might as well go see what's going on with that. And it turns out there are two more seasons. So it's on Netflix now and it is surprisingly good and fun. I was not expecting it to really be that great when I watched the first season the first time and I was blown away by how how good of a job they did. It's a lot of fun. It's a, you know, it's Scream, but not. They definitely take some liberties. And um, there are three seasons. They're short, though. They're not a huge time commitment. And so I am currently re-watching the first season and getting excited to jump into two and three. So yes, that is my chilling obsession, is just completely absorbing myself in Scream content, and specifically the Scream TV series, which I think originally aired on MTV
0: yeah I was gonna say I'm like I was in the same headspace where I'm like my expectations for this are very low you know this is like an MTV production which, <laughs> like fine like I, it has its place yes. but I just <laughs> said I was a big 16 and pregnant oh yeah oh yeah obsessive. <laughs> um, but yeah I was I remember being very impressed and like some of the kills are gory oh yeah I'm like okay mm-hmm. all right you're bringing your your a-game Respect.
1: Oh, yeah. They, they don't mess around at all. There are moments, like, one thing that really bothers me is uh, when people run around pools or if people are wet and are fleeing like, there's just, I don't know how to describe it, but like, I keep thinking about people slipping and breaking a bone, and that for some reason grosses me out more than like being stabbed a thousand times. <laughs> so, the pilot of the Scream uh, TV series opens with a, a situation like this, and it was really getting under my skin.
0: And I was like, man, they're pushing my buttons. Oh. Well, that, yeah, and that house looked like very slick. Like, oh, that so floor. Slack. I'm like, that is a slick floor that... And you were just running around mm-hmm. all wet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so many sharp <laughs> angles
1: so many it was very
0: modern yeah
1: so many panes of glass that you could go through
0: well I was obsessed with yellow jackets I Mm. blew through it Mm -hmm. in a few days um and I am I'm obsessed yeah
1: I need to get into that I have to uh I have to acquire it I have to figure out a way to view it if you know what I mean um
0: but yeah I hear I did the I did the trial Oh, that's oh, no. smart. I but should just do that. You can do a Hulu add on, and it's very easy. Oh, perfect. Okay, I'll just do that. I'll yeah. be reputable for once. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Everybody says it's incredible, and it's absolutely up my alley. Like, it sounds like something I would really enjoy. So, I'm going to get there and probably also be
0: very obsessed. But for those of you who don't know, it is about – there's dual timelines. So it's like a present-day timeline and a 90s timeline. But it's this varsity soccer girls team that is heading to nationals um, in a private plane. Their plane goes down somewhere – I want to say the Pacific Northwest – in the mountains. Uh. And they are stuck there. And you learn that they have been stuck there for 19 months. Wow. And you follow – four of the survivors in present day and i was just so excited to see christina ricci Mm. and juliette lewis Mm -hmm. like doing stuff again melanie linsky is also fantastic just like the whole the whole cast is great like i love the 90s timeline people and it's people have been saying it's like lost meets lord of the flies it's good the (laughs) opening scene is wild and just sets the tone like i just can't stop recommending it enough can't wait Well, moving on to our second tradition (laughs) on the show. Jocelyn, what is your final girl song?
1: Oh, I love it. So um, the first time I was lucky enough to be a guest, I picked kind of what my final girl song would be if I were in a horror comedy, (laughs) a la Shaun of the Dead. Um, So now I'm going to go with my serious final girl song, and that is Holy Roller by Spirit Box. And this is, it's, very intense metalcore, heavy hitting, screaming, like guttural kind of stuff, and it's very much like you are hunting down your enemies and smearing their blood on your face, kind of song, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's intense. It kind of feels like um, in uh, is it your next when the the final girl is really I don't want to ruin that movie for folks, but she has some particular set of skills that right. the um the assailants don't realize what they're getting into and she kind of completely kicks all the ass uh that is very like holy roller
0: vibes oh i like that mm-hmm. i love your next yeah yeah it's a good one i watched it recently like i want to say last year or the year before for the first time and i was like why have oh, i not watched this it's it's this really was 100 up my alley yeah
1: it's like it really went under the radar and I only think recently people are talking about like, you know, this was a really good movie. Everyone should watch this, which I'm glad now people are talking about it. But yeah, when it came out, I don't think anybody really heard of it or knew that it was mm-hmm.
0: was a thing. I feel like the exposure I had to it was her on like best final girl list mm. that i saw mm-hmm. more than the movie itself yes yeah,
1: so she's a phenomenal <laughs> final girl she's absolutely one of my favorites it she just like makes you so excited like everything i don't again i don't want to ruin it because that's the best part when you learn about her past mm-hmm. and her skill set like it makes you so excited to be like yes go get
0: them i love it yeah. i mean like i do love the like oh Coming home and like meeting the significant other's family, mm-hmm. what could possibly go wrong? It's oh, a great trope. I love it too. I feel like it would pair good with Ready or Not, like also yes. like marrying into this family and like uh oh. Yes. Oh, I love Ready or Not. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about job horror workplace horror yeah
1: thank you for inviting me again this is always a ton of fun um and yeah this was a fun topic it was easy to do there was so much just flooding into my brain that we could talk about and yeah i mean if if other people have fun workplace horror that they like i would love to to hear it because it's something i enjoy reading
0: where can people find you online
1: um well i am a bit on a bit of a Social media break, but I will be coming back. No, don't fear, everyone. I'll be returning. (laughs) Um, I'm not really that active anyway, but I am at Forgotten Corners on Instagram. And I'm also at Forgotten Corners on Twitter, but just take all the vowels out. So just leave the consonants. Forgotten Corners. Yeah, (laughs) I hate vowels. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so yep, Forgotten Corners on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, thanks.
0: Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at BooksFreezerPod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer, on TikTok at Books in the Freezer, or you can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the show there are a few ways to do that one of them is to become a patreon supporter at patreon.com and there is a one three and a five dollar level with all kinds of perks from like early episode releases to voxer chats to bonus episodes to getting to participate in episode discussions like i let you know if an author's coming on and give you the chance to ask questions so check that out if any of that sounds interesting to you that is patreon.com books in the freezer we also have an amazon link that is in the show notes it essentially just takes you to amazon you do your normal shopping you would normally do and a small percentage of that goes to help the podcast If you would like to support the show without spending any money, that is totally possible. One of the ways to do that is to leave a review on something like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or to just share on social media and talk about the show, post it on your stories. Anything like that really helps. Uh, And just a big thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that. I very much appreciate it. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And I'm on Instagram at that's what she read. And that is that's with two A's. So thank you so much. It is officially time to clock out. Thank you for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer.